Welcome to the Feminine Truth Podcast with Mary Miranda, a place where you can reconnect with your wild, cyclical, and fierce truth. I am Mary Miranda, a mentor, coach, healer, and intuitive. I guide women on a journey of remembrance, reconnection, and embodiment of who they are, their essence, power, and truth by reawakening the power of their feminine energy, womb, and menstrual cycles. Join me each week to indulge in raw, unedited, and unfiltered topics to help women own and step into their divine feminine truth and become unshakable, unapologetic, and bold in who they truly are. Let's jump into today's conversation. Welcome to another episode of the Feminine Truth Podcast with your host, Mary Miranda. And today I am really, really excited to have such an amazing woman. I've been wanting to have this type of conversation with someone. And I found Elizabeth Kaliva on Instagram, and I was immediately drawn to her energy, the work that she does. So thank you so much for being here today. My pleasure. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your story, who you are and what you do? Sure. So um, uh, my, my story, the way I got to this work, I had challenges with sex my entire life. Um, it was always a struggle in every relationship, almost every relationship. Um, and got to the point where my marriage actually ended Mm. Uh, in large part to how just dysfunctional our sexual relationship was. It was causing so much. Um, it was like a big, huge elephant in the room almost, you know, it was just like such a problem and I had no idea what to do about it. I had read books and I'd seen like a, a Tantra coach um, and nothing was making any difference. Um, so my marriage ended, which was devastating because I really, truly thought I was going to be with this person forever. Mm. Um, but thank God it did because it was, it was that final enormous loss that had me realize I can't, like, I just can't, I can't have this be such a problem in my life anymore. I, I, I tried to convince myself that sex wasn't that important, that, it's just not that big of a deal that there's more other things in relationship that are more valuable and more necessary than sex. Um, but I just kind of finally got the message that this can't be ignored anymore. So um, I hired a sex coach um, who's mind blowingly phenomenal. And what just blew my mind was that, it was really, it was really short. It was like, I want to say six weeks of working with her that I had a complete turnaround mm -hmm. in my relationship with myself, with sexuality and all this stuff. And it was just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it was, it, is it really that simple? Almost. Um, of course it's not, but it was just like, wow. Um, and through working with her, I started yeah, I mean, just continuing to work with her and, and, and starting to work with her. Um, I actually started training with her to lead women's circles. And then I started doing it myself. So that's kind of how I got into the work. I mean, it just became really clear to me because of my own shift and transformation that I wanted to support other women in this because there's just no reason to, to go through life that way is what I realized. 
Wow, that's amazing. So what exactly do you do right now that you help women with? Yes. Based on this amazing transformation that you had. Yeah. So um, I right now I offer I have an online program. It's a virtual program. So it's women coming together in a circle. So we have um, the small group, an intimate group of women that come together for a six week journey where we dive into a lot of the conditioning. There's just so much messaging and conditioning and assumptions that we just get born into about sex and femininity and our bodies and pleasure and the erotic and all of the stuff we don't even realize is there. And what I realized for myself, I mean, knock on wood, I was never, I never the victim of any sort of sexual assault or sexual abuse, but I realized that the conditioning a lot of us grow up with, whether we were religious or not, doesn't even matter. That conditioning is traumatic. So a lot, a large part of the program is actually starting to see some of that stuff that's been restricting our sexual expression. Mm -hmm. Um, and then starting to take, just introducing women to a new, new concepts about, um, permission is a really big one and granting ourselves permission for our sexuality. Um, another really huge piece is bringing the divine back in to sexuality. I think that that's almost a really foundational or root, um, cause, which is perpetuated a lot by, by religion. Um, that separation of, of the sacred from sexuality. Um, so that's huge. We look at the wild feminine, we reclaim our menstrual cycles and our menstrual blood. Um, we really start promoting pleasure and um, pleasure for pleasure's sake, you know, not like when all the work is done, then I can finally indulge in something, but allowing pleasure to be something that we nourish ourselves with. So it's, it's a really beautiful little journey um, that they get to go through and it's done in a small circle of women. And so this whole circle aspect and the community aspect is huge. It's really huge. Yeah. And I feel it's also because a lot of us don't feel safe sharing, especially anything in regards to sex, our sexuality, how our sexual experiences have been, like we don't feel safe sharing that information or that that our truth with anyone else. So when you, it seems like when you provide this container, sacred container of safety, of community, of sisterhood, it also helps you heal the sister wound at the same time somehow, because you are connecting with other women and you realize that you're not alone, that there's so many of us that have been silenced when it comes to sex. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and a lot of what a lot like my own experience and other women have shared as well is a lot of, you know, our relationship with women is troubled. Like you said, the sister wound, right. And the competitiveness and the jealousy. But a, I, when I looked back on my own journey, I realized a lot of the sex or the slut shaming that I received was from other women. Yes. Oh and my the God. ways, you know, I might not want to dress or the ways I might not, might, might not interact in a social situation out of concern for what women, how women might judge me. So to come into a space and a container with women where you're being celebrated in your sexuality, being celebrated in your sexual expression by these other women is extremely, extremely healing. Mm 
my gosh, that totally I got chills. I have goosebumps because that's been a huge part of my wounding yeah. being shamed for I didn't even let's just say it. I didn't even do anything. Right. I was 11 years old. In Mexico, I grew up in Mexico. So it was like my town is a small town. People know everyone. It's gossip. If you are seen at that age with a boy, like you are, they call it uh, andas de loca, which means you're a little promiscuous. You are a little like crazy. Loca means crazy. But in that context, it, it means a little slut shaming. It means you're a little whore. It means you're a little hoe. So... That was told to my dad was always um, here in the United States and we were in Mexico. So this uh, to this state, I'm still healing this wound because I don't re- I don't realize I don't think my aunt realized the damage that she did to me when she told my dad that someone had seen me with a boy. I wasn't even doing anything. I was just like, I, I was not kissed. I was not holding hands and nothing. And my dad completely, I don't remember exactly what he said to me over the phone, but I felt dirty. I felt like a whore. I felt like, like a prostitute. I felt horrible. And that suppressed a lot in me that up to this date, I'm still healing. Like there's a lot of damage that is done to little girls when they're growing up. Right. So like, I'm still healing from that. It's like, how do for for you when a woman comes to you how do you help someone heal through that i call it the promiscuous wounding <laughs> like the yeah. slut teaming uh yeah. you're a hoe you and, and like you said it's done by women this was done by my aunt and i don't know if she meant to i, I don't know what she meant by that like to save me to because you know i grew up in a catholic culture i was going to catholic school and everything so my uniforms have to be below the knee. I had to be all covered up. Like a boy wouldn't touch me until I was like 18, 19. So it's a lot of cultural, religious aspect to it. But when a woman comes to you and say something, says something about that she's been shamed or she's being called a slut, how do you help her navigate that? Yeah, a lot of that is actually reclaiming slut Ooh. and reclaiming whore. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like, that specific thing was huge for me. That was like what blew it open for me it was like seeing it, how much I was shut down by that very same messaging and being directed. Well, what if you just owned your slut? Mm. What if you just owned it? And that was just for me, wow, you can actually <laughs> own that (laughs) right and what's funny is when you look back on on the the history of human sexuality and you get back to prior to prehistoric times prior to um the the monotheistic religions that came out right christianity judaism um in these prehistoric civilizations there were sacred whores sexuality sex was seen as a divine act and it was very connected to, to the earth's fertility. So a f- female fertility connected to the earth's fertility. They saw sex as sacred. They saw women, women's bodies as sacred. So that didn't exist. And the shaming came in with those, those monotheistic religions because shame is a powerful tool of control. And that's what 
in essence, your your aunt was doing and what religions do. I mean, it's just what shame is always used as a manipulation tactic to control behavior. Yeah, and so especially take it back. Yeah, the religion, it comes this virginity, how virginity is seen as the ultimate sacred something for women that you have to be a virgin until you're married when for the night of your marriage, you know, and it's just like when you're not is you're not worthy. You're not valuable anymore. No man is going to love you like that. That was ingrained in me since I was little. That yeah. you have to be a virgin. And I'm like, well, okay, well, I don't know when I'm getting married. So. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I think that that's part of, that's part of that, that reclaiming set is it's, it's a huge part is bringing the sacred back in. Because religions completely separated those two things we have in our brain, we've been brainwashed to think that those two things can't exist together. Mm. And so we have to, it's a huge part is bringing the sacred back in. And that's, and that's a process. It's not a quick healing. I mean, because those, those roots are very deep and they're culturally deep and then your family and it takes, it takes a lot to really start to let go of all of that stuff that was placed on us and really own that for ourselves. And it's, it's a process. It's not, yeah, it's not something that happens overnight. This, the, bringing the sacred back in is, I feel like one of the, the more challenging parts of the reclamation journey. Mm. So I was, I don't know why this is just popping up. Mary Magdalene, how yeah. she was sacred. She was so sacred and she was completely eliminated from the Bible Mm-hmm. And she was turning to this other cons- concept so we can see a different perception. And now I, I, the way I grew up is seeing her as that she was a prostitute. That's it. That's what I remember. Mary Magdalene prostitute. That's it. That's it. Even though the Catholic church came, I mean, they apologized and corrected that lie in like the seventies or something. They actually came out and said that wasn't true. But it doesn't matter. They made that statement. They they brand branded her a whore, and she's she will forever be a whore, right? And it completely cut her out. It it it, it degraded her, and she was gone. And I mean, and I actually have read some of the her her gospel. I mean, it's just stunning. And you 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 know, when you look at the history of it, you see how what an enormous role. I mean, she was basically, from my understanding, Jesus's partner and lover and her, her, his number one disciple, right. And to have her completely cut out of the Bible and Christian theology. I mean, it's just like, wow. I know know. last year I was in Mexico living with my parents because of COVID I was stuck there and I ended up because I took my mom there. So I was stuck there. And I said, I was, I had the book, Mary Magdalene, the Mary Magdalene book, Mary Magdalene revealed. And I yeah. said to my mom, I'm like, I believe Mary Magdalene was Jesus's spouse. <laughs> my mom and my dad are 100% Catholic. So here I am making the statement. And I completely broke their hearts when I told them I'm not Catholic. Like uh, two, two years ago or so, like I, my mom was crying. My dad pretty much told me that I'm never going to do well in life because I don't go to church. But when I made that statement, it was a little bit of, my liberation reclaiming my own belief system as separate from them and they still believe that i should be catholic right which i completely respect their religion but for me it's like no because i'm not aligned with their belief systems i'm not aligned and i have been shut down 
for so many years because of everything, how you guys grew up and because how you guys grew up, my dad shamed me because my aunt told him something and because of the religion, his belief systems and everything, you know, I'm like now healing, I'm still healing from that, you know, and like, it's something that you said at the beginning, you said sex wasn't important. I've always said that because a lot of people are like, how can you go um, without having sex for a long time? And then my, my, my reply is like, oh, sex, sex is not important. If I have it good, if I don't, I'm good. But the thing is that a lot of people don't understand and that for me, and I'm open about it now, but right now, when we were starting the podcast, my throat I felt like coughing. I'm like, oh, this is a conversation that I am like a little afraid to have because I'm not that open about my sex life. Mm-hmm. But um, sex has been painful for me mm-hmm. for years. And I had, um, and a lot of the work that I do now, and the reason why I started doing this work is because I had very painful periods, menstrual cycles. And then I, I found out I had a tumor, the fibroid. And then I had a surgery and then now I have endometriosis and all these things that are linked to being suppressed that are linked to trauma and process pain. So I do attribute all my health issues with my womb as being shut down as everything that happened with this trauma of my aunt and my dad. But at the same time, it made sex a very painful experience for me that is not enjoyable so it's like how can I find the pleasure in something that is so painful yes and I'm one of those that faked it I'm one of those women that faked it and I regret doing that because it's like still suppressing more and it's like how do you start healing from that you know yeah yeah I mean a big part of of the work I do is reconnecting women with their pussies and their womb space and starting to develop a unique relationship with that specific part of your body, because it is the, in my opinion, the most sacred, most magical, most powerful part of our bodies that most of us never had any sort of um, education on, on connecting with, (laughs) you know, you know, there's families that, you know, they don't even use the right words or they don't talk about it at all. And, you know, women are completely cut off from what I think is your greatest source of power. And, and I, I think this is a goddess given power. I feel like what my coach taught me that I continue is that there, this is, this is our connection to the divine feminine. She resides in there. And so it's, it's part of our journey to start to reconnect, to actually dialogue with her, to tune into her, to channel her, to, to, you know, to physically reconnect with our pussies and our yonis, um, going inside, doing physical practices like massage or yoni egg work. I mean, it's, you have, it's, it's a whole process. It really is. And so, and I love that you, you, you get that some of that, all of that dysfunction is a result of the psychological and spiritual repression. Yeah. No, totally. And I've done the Yoni egg. I'm a huge fan. I do my own healings with it. Um, I've done the Joni, the armoring, which yeah. I inflame my vagina and I touch different points to release the pressure and the pressure and the trauma. Yeah. But it's still, I think there's still stuff that I need to work on. And I'm very conscious about it. Yeah. And in my previous relationship, um, I'm going through a divorce right now. And a huge part of the 
depression that it got even deeper is because he became super Catholic. Like he, when I met him, he was woo woo spiritual into meditation, all of that. He had gone to spiritual retreats. He had a spiritual teacher and all of a sudden he got his spiritual awakening, the dark night of the soul. And he went through this horrible time that the church saved him going back to math saved him and then he claims that so he just became hardcore catholic Mm -hmm. he was going to mass twice a day and here i am with a catholic wound got triggered a lot i hated it and then he Mm -hmm. would say to me that we couldn't be intimate until we were married by the church and that would get me so angry so So we're already married just huh? not by the church. You were already married, just not by the church. Yes, we were just by the courthouse, just legally married. Yes, I'm like, oh, I'm like, but I'm not Catholic. I would be a hypocrite if I get married through the church because I am not. You know, I don't align with their belief systems, and I'm like, they're not okay with IBF. And he wanted to follow everything as the mm-hmm. law, you know. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's like, okay, maybe this is here to help me heal my Catholic wounds. And at the time, I also had a wounding with God. I'm like, does God exist? Like, I was questioning everything. And I'm like, why does he have to have green eyes or blue eyes? Why does he have to have this? Why, why, why does he have to be a man? <laughs> so like, I went through this whole questioning phase. And then I, he knew about all this. But then um, it was like, okay, maybe this is medicine for me to heal. And I took it as that. And then landing in Mexico, I was like, oh, my God, this is deeper in my healing. Like, why am I land? Why did I land back in the town that shaped me a certain way? And because of that, I grew up a certain way. And I'm still kind of healing from the good girl. I'm still healing from all the shame and all of that. Right. I was like, okay, I'm like, it's time to heal it all. It's time to heal it all. And (laughs) it's just been one of those journeys that for me. Even within my marriage, we went a very long time without being intimate because of that and because he was sick and other things that happened, you know, but I was just shut down. I was just like, oh, I don't care. Oh, I don't care. But then the way I look at it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like I was living such an unpleasurable life. You know, and it's so sad because I'm like, well, I just I'm you know, when you grow up in us, I don't know if that happened for you or your clients or anything that we grew up so suppressed, that we just like we even showing skin, it feels terrifying. Mm-hmm. Even being looked at by the construction workers who freaking whistle at you. And those are my people Mexicans, mostly <laughs> I'm not gonna say it because it's true. It's so uncomfortable. And I'm like, Oh, my God, I'm like, I don't want to be seen. Mm, I yes. don't want to be seen. I am, look, I got goosebumps. I'm like, I am so afraid to be seen. Mm. And it's happened. And then every time it happens, I'm like, I'm safe. I'm safe. I'm safe. And it's just that little things that I'm taking to heal. But I know there's a lot of work that I have to do in this realm of sexual liberation to truly be like liberated. <laughs> yeah. There, there's so much I mean there's, there's so much it's I feel like it's a never-ending journey really yeah. really because it just yeah. keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper and I think that we just keep yeah I don't think there's an end to it yeah why do you think is the cause that you I don't know if you know that is energetic emotional whatever of why women have no libido 
I think it's, I think it, it has to do with these belief systems mm-hmm. that, you know, sex is wrong or dirty. I mean, like for me, I, that was one of my things. I just didn't have a sex drive. Yeah. I just didn't want to. And, and, and part of my reclaiming my slut was also reclaiming that my sexual desires don't fit into the nice little box of what's acceptable in society about sex. Like right after I was working with my coach um, and I, you know, I started having these realizations, right? She's like, own your slut. Um, <laughs> and then I met this man who was really into BDSM and, you know, domination and bondage and all this stuff. And I had never done any of that. Um, and I mean, it was no accident, right. That I attracted this man. Right. <laughs> um, and then just like this whole world opened. What was interesting is that I realized that like, for me, like before that would have sounded really weird <laughs> or dirty or whatever. But as I'm engaging in these acts, I'm like, this doesn't feel weird or dirty at all to me. Like, like, it's just like, to me, it's like, that's just what I like. Right. So I like, for me, a lot of, a lot of that turn on existed in the realm of the taboo, you know, what's not acceptable, but is dirty. It's like, Ooh, right. And I, I hadn't allowed myself to own that about my own desire. And I had to really give myself permission to be turned on by the taboo. And then when I did, I found this deep well of desire and turn on. And I found, my gosh, I have a really high sex drive. And it was because I was suppressing what really turned me on. And those were the, you know, those were the fantasies I might have in my own head that I never shared with anyone or felt bad even about having that I had to like really own and reclaim. So that was my specific journey. You know, I, that's not going to be that way for everyone. And I also have known that my desires and turn on have, have, have shifted. Like I've gone more now, more into being really turned on by a deep emotional connection, right? So the stuff that my mom, my Catholic mother had talked about, like you, you need to wait till you're married, have sex, and you should be in love and blah, blah, blah. And that just was never what excited me about sex. It just never excited me. And, and, and I think that that was part of why I had a low libido is because I had to tap into and allow myself to be turned on by what was not acceptable. Mm. And what if we reclaim this BDSM, this taboo, this kinky stuff, a secret instead of sinful? And a lot of the names for me, it's like, that's sinful and God's going to punish you. That's what comes through to me. And I'm just like, oh my God, is that my mom or my dad? (laughs) Who is that? Or is that my entire town in Mexico? And it's that, that I'm like, who is speaking to me at this moment? You know, and like, how can I shift into believing and seeing this as something sacred? Yeah. You know, because I think like back in the day, we used to be, non-monogamous we used to be like with different sexual partners and like that sex was sacred like women prostitutes or whores or whatever however you want to call them they were sacred they were seen as just like sacred and now it's like they're the opposite right and i remember in high school like i came here when i was 14 so i started high school here i didn't speak any english and i remember i was like i was so used to uniforms and i come here to a public school identity shift I like I got my identity got shifted I was so lost 
But I remember I was wearing this turtleneck and I was wearing this long, a little long dress below the knee, my, my uh, socks up to my knees, because that's what I used to wear. And someone tapped me, it was a guy and I turned around and I snapped and I just yelled at him to never touch me again. Mm. And, and I just did that. It was just like, Oh my, what are you doing? Why you can't touch me? I'm like, you're not my boyfriend. I automatically said that I don't even know why. And later on throughout the day, a friend from my hometown who was going to the same school, he said, you're like a nun. He's like, why you have to be less uptight? And I was yeah. called uptight. I was called a nun. And that stuck with me for so many years. So even showing a little skin was so horrifying to me. <laughs> and like, how can, how can someone start feeling safe showing a little skin, even if it's shorts, even if it's in a bikini, how can someone start embodying that safety? Yeah, great question. I mean, and, and I love that you're bringing up safety because that really is the foundation of our sexual and neurotic expression is the degree to which we feel safe. And yeah, I mean, I really feel that it, it, a lot of it starts with starting to get down to what those core beliefs are and challenging those beliefs for yourself and really having to, you know, we've been indoctrinated into these belief systems and it's up to us to really challenge them. You know, they were given to us. We inherited them from a very early age. When, you know, when you're six or seven or eight or nine, you don't think to challenge those, but when we become adults, that's kind of our duty now is to be responsible for what we're allowing in our minds and to start challenging those belief systems for ourselves, because I feel that that's what's at the source of not feeling safe. I mean, it could, it, there could be certain women that have had physical experiences, right? Some sort of sexual assault, and that's a whole nother thing to, to manage and heal and, and work on. But without that, I feel like it's mostly going to be the conditioning and the belief systems that we're, we're allowing, that we're now choosing to have there. Like, it's, it's our responsibility to start challenging those and and rooting them out and they're going to be deep right it's going to take it's going to take repeating to yourself i am safe yeah. it's going to take actually showing a little bit more skin and going out and, and and seeing how you feel and maybe a little bit more right i mean it's it's a process and it is it is a deep healing journey for sure yeah and i think for me i started with the compliments like when i started this journey a few years ago it's like even being called sexy like I was like, either I didn't believe it or I would get so mad. <laughs> and I'm just like, why are you calling me sexy? And I would be like very snappy, very like wounded, triggered. And now yes. it's like, I, I don't, I'm still kind of like owning that, that I am sexy, that I am exotic because I'm also Latina, my hair, you know, my body, like I'm in fitness. And a lot of people are like, how come you don't show your body more? You have killer abs you have a nice body I'm like because it's for me like I do this for me I look in the mirror and I absolutely love what I see but when it comes to showing other people it's still like the voices like stop showing skin like you're stop showing everyone everybody's gonna think you're a hoe or something it's yeah. those voices still come up and it's like okay I do embodiment work I do feminine energy work and stuff so that's for me this is the layer that I'm missing the sexual sovereignty, the sexual liberation to truly feel, you know, but it's still this aspect whenever I, I the word sex or sexual for me is pain, pain, pain. It's still bad that it's like painful. And I'm like, when is like, how does sex 
because everybody's like, you, need, you just need to have really good sex. I'm like, what is, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? And I'm not the only one that's going through this. There's so many couples, married couples, or just partners or, you know, relationships, women that are just so surprised. And here we are faking it. We don't know what, how to ask for what we want. Mm. Mm. So how do we start asking for what we want and opening the throat chakra? Just like owning that. Mm, There's so much work in the throat chakra. (laughs) And right. There's, there's, there's the channel, the throat, the throat, your voice, your pussy, like the connection there. And, and it's, you know, you may notice that when you are vocal with sex, your pleasure increases. Like there, very there's a very much a tie and a connection to that voice and that power and our power center, right? So it's like two major power centers in our bodies that we do have to to open that channel. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's not an easy answer to that one either. Um, so yeah. I, how, okay, how did you start being more confident asking and voicing your desires, what you wanted, how you wanted to be touched? Mm-hmm. And a little bit of that is I had to learn how to do that for myself because I didn't even know how I wanted to be touched or what I wanted. I was yeah. so disconnected. And the journey has been like, and I was talking to my coach last year. I had a coach last year. And I was like, I just don't understand how I'm so, I'm, I have painful experiences with sexual partners, but my self-pleasure practice is amazing. I absolutely love it. So the relationship with myself in that, that context, it's amazing. But then there's this other aspect that I'm just like, no, no, no. And it's like, okay, I'm like, I learned to be in tune with how I wanted to be touched, how I, the things that I liked and all of that. And now it's like, how does one become confident to voice that mm-hmm. yeah well and, and i think that it starts probably voicing it in, in safer situations right if, if you don't like your meal that you got at a restaurant yeah, actually yeah. saying can you remake this for me i just doesn't taste good right like it's it just it, it comes i think in degrees and we start the process you know, very simply saying no i mean so we as women we've been conditioned to please others first yeah you know we have to start taking back our own pleasure and taking back you know our our asking starting to say no when we want to say no which I know is really hard for a lot of women um and and starting in small ways to to voice those things whether it's speaking up at work or it's speaking up at a restaurant or however and then you start bringing that into sex with your partner I mean and it could just be as simple as I want you to touch my arm really softly, you know, in a, in a, just in a, in a really benign kind of request. That's probably more simple than I want you to lick me a certain way. Right. Like it's, it's more challenging as you move your way down, but yeah, I think it just starts in little bits. Yeah. I think part of that, I think it goes with the boundaries too, because if they're doing, doing something that you are not okay with, and also like the consent, the permission mm-hmm. is so important, feeling safe when to, to voice like, no, that hurts or no, not that I don't like that. It's still very, very frightening for a lot of women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, boundaries are huge. And that's, that's one of the, the beautiful gifts of the wild feminine, 
Mm. Right? She has very strong boundaries yes. and she will not let you cross them. And she stands firm in them. And I think that it's fun to play with these different archetypes of the feminine to start to almost, it's like, I'm going to take that from her. I'm going to, I'm going to play with the, the wild feminine this week. And, that, and that's what we, one of the one, weeks we do in the course. And that's part of it is where are my boundaries week? Where do I need to have firmer boundaries? Where am I, am I giving up my power? And starting to reclaim your voice in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how do you start tapping also into pleasure? Not mm -hmm. only in the bedroom, not only your self-pleasure, but just pleasure. Because a lot of us have been shut down from that. It's yeah. like, no, you can't enjoy that. I don't know how to, like, I didn't know before how to play, how to have fun, how to enjoy. So I was like, no, no, no. I would feel guilty for doing that because I'm supposed to and should be doing all of this. So it's like how to start tapping into the pleasure practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it starts with giving yourself permission for pleasure for no other reason. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do it at the end of the day. You can actually start your day with pleasure. And get, so starting to, to give yourself permission to indulge. I mean, and it's, it's little things. And I think it really does start with these little things. It's that really expensive, like ridiculously $7 coffee who pays $7 for a coffee, but it's like the best coffee and you want it, right? And allowing yourself to have a $7 coffee for heaven's sake or, or whatever it is, you know? Um, and I think that slowly in that, you know, that's hard for me. My, a lot of my upbringing was like work hard, you know, there's just no, there's no time for, for, the frivolous or the indulgent and or or at the very end of the day when everything is done then you can finally reward yourself with some sort of pleasure and so it's it's definitely it's still a work in progress for me to give myself permission to indulge and i think you know just like so much of uh of our own personal transformation is repetition right we have to retrain our minds and our bodies to to think and be a different way so, yeah, I mean, it starts with you granting yourself permission and, and taking small steps every day, yeah. I think. Yeah. And how do you start connecting with your erotic expression? Like, how do you even know what what it is for you? <laughs> yeah, um, I am really into sensual movement. Mm. And that's a big part of my course. And I highly promote um, sensual movement for women, because I feel like that is a way of just, first of all, just getting reconnected to our bodies and getting into our bodies and into our senses. Um, and for me, it was, it was hugely transformational in understanding my own erotic expression, giving myself permission. I mean, it felt so awkward. <laughs> and I, it was so it was just so awkward. I, I had never, ever considered myself a sensual person before. I mean, even just like this subtle touch would have been weird for me before. Um, and I, I felt very locked out of that. And so when I started the sensual movement practice, it was just like, oh my gosh, so I can't do this. I can't do it. Um, and just repetition and doing it over. And now it's, it's one of the juiciest things that I do. And it brings me so much pleasure and not only pleasure but I, I process a lot of emotion through it as well it's very like intuitively guided and pleasure guided um and uh, that that was really big on me for, for me in seeing my and discovering my own erotic expression 
and and seeing myself as a sexy person like like how you it's hard right I didn't same thing I couldn't see myself as sexy that was just not a way I would ever describe myself um and then through that practice in particular I started to discover that that erotic nature and that sensuality and that sexiness and, and to see myself in that way finally at the age of you know 43 it was just like wow mind-blowing and you know so yeah I mean I highly recommend movement I think you do that yeah I do yeah. I do I do different types of movement for different emotions or however yeah. I feel but I do have my self-seduction practice prior to yeah. pleasure because I found that before from my self-pleasure it was just getting straight to the point and I was like oh my god that's what I have been doing yeah. I'm like no I want to be like like I cater or as if I was like courted by a man, like how do I want to set the scenario, the mood, the environment and everything. So I started my own little self-seduction practice. Yeah. I started my own dancing practice that I don't really talk about with anyone. And it just all became because there was a, a situation that happened to me a few years ago with my, with a partner that I had that I had bought this beautiful lingerie it was red silk my favorite color and I wanted to dance for him and it was Valentine's Day and stuff and okay. something happened that he was watching TV and I went to change and I came out and I wanted to dance for him and I had this whole thing in my head that it was gonna go amazing and he just completely put me on the side like moved me and he said oh I thought we were gonna watch TV and that completely shut me down even more. Yeah. I just, I've never worn the lingerie. Mm -hmm. I had it in my drawer ever since. Well, not, not ever since because something happened that I was just, I was taking um, a class, a course a few years ago, like three years ago or so. And in that, there was uh, the coach guided us through this meditation. And I saw my goddess in that lingerie dancing to this um Enrique Iglesias song it was like a bachata song so it was very sensual movements and stuff and I was like oh my god like what the hell like that lingerie really and so I got home and I was like why am I waiting for a man for me to dance and I got a chair and I put the song and I'm like I am gonna do that I want to cry because that was so empowering for me and that was so liberating that I'm mm -hmm. like I am never waiting for a man to do something that like taking out on that day, giving like someone to give me flowers. I'm like never doing that again. I'm going to start dating myself. I'm going to start seducing myself. I'm going to start doing all of this for me to have an intimate relationship with myself. I videotaped myself and then I watched yeah. it and I was like, damn, I'm like, I got some moves. I did not know who is that person. And so funny. I read one of your posts that when you were dancing, doing this sensual dancing, your alter ego came up. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. To yeah. me. It was this other side of my goddess that was like my alter ego, the central part of me that came out. Mm. And ever since I do the practice every once in a while, but now it's like, okay, if I'm going to do a self-pleasure practice, it's going to be a whole ritual. It's not oh. going to just get to the point to relieve stress anymore. No, no, no. It's going to be, is seduction I'm gonna seduce myself and I'm gonna do all of this so for me that was like how my goddess got reawakened that night with that oh. dance <laughs> so good so good yes 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 and I feel like everyone has to tap to the alter ego so for you yeah 
how do you help women tap into this alter ego? How do they even find it within themselves? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's that's basically shadow work. And, and it's looking at yeah. um, what we don't want to look at what we don't want to, you know, what what triggers us about other women? What do we what do we what do we judge other women for? What do we judge ourselves for? What are these, these aspects we really can't face. I mean, and a lot of that's projection, right? So it's easy to look at how do I judge other women? And that's a key, right? That taps that kind of points directly to one of your shadows. Um, that particular alter ego was an aspect of myself that I felt like I just couldn't be like, I really would love to be this person. And I just felt like I couldn't. And so then I to actually try and be her was just, I mean, it just, it really deeply impacted me and it had to come face to face with a lot of my own fears. Um, so yeah, I mean, looking at your, looking at your triggers of other women or looking at your judgments of other people in general is a great way to start to tap into what you need to reclaim about yourself. Oh yeah. There's for me, there's the trigger right now, the one that it's like very obvious because it's stuff that I'm working through is feeling safe, showing my skin. And it's so funny, though, because I show my six pack, I have a fitness page too. And I have no problem showing my muscles, my my six pack being in a uh, in a sports bra, but I have a problem wearing a sexy dress. <laughs> and it's like, what, like, what are the odds? Because one, mm -hmm. I'm just like fitness, motivation, inspiration, the sexy, I'm going to be object objectified. Yeah. Men are going to be drooling over me. Men are going to be coming on my inbox uninvited, <laughs> you know, and there's this whole aspect. I'm like, oh, wow, I'm afraid of that. It's like this fear that comes and I'm just like, no, I just want to hide. I don't want to show my skin. I just don't want to, I, I want to cover up. It comes yeah. up a lot. But when I see women showing their skin, like a sexy dress, I, not that I hate, but I do <laughs> You know, but it, it for me, it's like, I admire her right away. I shifted. I'm like, I admire that she has the guts to put in that dress and she's owning it. And I want to be that I want to do that. And it's inside of me, mm -hmm. but I just have to, my, my nervous system has to also be comfortable yeah. you know, because part of safety is also your nervous system is regulating your nervous system. So I can let's say I wear a dress and I go out, my nervous system is going to be triggered that it's just not going to benefit me because yeah. I'm still going to feel very unsafe. So for me, I do have to take baby steps when it comes to that, which is like, I'm like, I don't get it. I show my six pack there, but here I am. I'm all covered up. <laughs> well, you're comfortable showing yourself as strong. Yes. But not sexy. Oh, and you got changed for being sexy at the age of 11. I mean, yeah. And then you weren't even being sexy, but you guys did anyway. Oh, and I give, and the thing is that it's also like I kept telling my dad that wasn't true, and he didn't believe me. Like he didn't believe me. He didn't believe my truth. He didn't. I was my my voice was not heard, you know, and it was disregarded. He believed her, and part paired with that, my cousin, who's the daughter of my aunt. She is the first person that I experienced betrayal from because she's mm -hmm. like once I, you know in Mexico it's just so funny though because when you're little you like boys but you're dating but you're not kissing you're not holding hands so are you really dating or what are you doing so she stole three three boys that I liked like yeah. as soon as they saw her like they went with her 
So right now, I, right away, it's like, oh, wow, I'm not enough. So it's like a lot of stuff and wounding came from that relationship with my aunt and my cousin, which is funny because she has my, my name. We have we both have the same name, Mary yeah. Carmen. So there's also been wounding with my name. And it's just this whole thing that is so connected. Mm-hmm. And it's just been a lot of healing. And it's like, I'm comfortable with some parts. I'm comfortable with the relationship with myself, with my body on my own when nobody sees me. But the discomfort comes when I'm out there, you know, in public. That's where, and that's where the healing work is going to be at. Yeah. I mean, that was that initial wound. You were out in public with a boy. And you got completely shamed and shut down by the, I mean, your father, your own father, right? I mean, that's a deep, deep wound. Yeah. And he did the same thing with my sister. Yeah. And it's just like a, one of those things, like cultural, um, the way he grew up and everything. And, but it, it was very painful and it's still painful. And I've done a lot of healing. When I think about that, I still, there's time, I don't cry anymore about it. Now it's more like, okay, now like the crying, the emotional charge with that situation is not strong. Now there's more layers to heal so I can be completely liberated because it's still like for us, because now like there's this wounding of like, I'm Latina, I'm Mexican, I'm the United States. And it's just like, it's, it's a lot, a lot of, I don't think people understand the immigrants daughters of immigrants have the double work of healing because we yeah. have the colonization we have our culture we have the religious i'm sure like you too you know but for me it just feels like it's double the work because i'm in a country that my identity was completely like com- it was so confusing for me like there were years that i didn't even know who i was i'm like i don't feel mexican but i don't feel like i'm from america like like where am i from like you know but for me it's like okay there's a reason why i was put on earth there's a reason why i'm here there's a reason why i'm ready to do this work and it's uncomfortable and it's painful and i'm like no we're going to get this we're going to get this we're going to get this because it's not possible to go alive now without experiencing amazing pleasure you know yeah yeah and and just I just have so much honor how 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 all in you are in your own journey right yeah. I mean it's just, you're a very brave soul to take all of that on and go I mean most people don't most people never will you know yeah, and, yeah. no go ahead sorry well I just I just have a huge appreciation for for your your willingness and your depth and the amount that you're really taking all of that on for yourself and your commitment to yourself thank you that means a lot and I've just been dying to have this type of conversation because I'm like I want to talk to someone and share this because there's no safe space and I'm like no I'm gonna put myself out there because I know there's a lot of women that are in my shoes we're going through the same thing and we're here being silenced about it. And I know I want to put this conversation. And when I found you on Instagram, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm like, she's perfect. I want to have a conversation with her because she helps women with this. And I just like resonated with a lot of your content, a lot of your posts. And I'm just like, she has to come on my show <laughs> and have a conversation. Thanks for inviting me. Yes. Yes. Always yes. a fun conversation to have. Mm-hmm. So where can anyone come and tap into your medicine, your energy, everything that you offer? Like where can everyone find you? Instagram is the best place. I um that's mostly where I'm located at erotic underscore Elizabeth. 
Yes. And the work that you do is truly healing. Yeah. Like the way you were able to heal yourself and just put, it's not easy putting yourself out there. And I am seeing the rise of the feminine of the women doing this work. It's so paired with the feminine energy, the embodiment and everything is so paired. And my coach said to me, this is your next layer for you Mm. to fully be embodied. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm not guiding women to be sexually liberated. Like, I know I can't do that, but I'm doing my own healing journey on that. And I still look up to people that can help me on that journey, you know, but just having the conversations is so healing. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure when women uh, listen to this, they're going to be reaching out to you. They're going to be like, oh my gosh, like she's amazing. <laughs> so the woman who you used to be before doing this work. Mm-hmm. And the woman that you are today, mm-hmm. what is your truth today of without that, you know, accounting for that past version of yourself with the conditioning, programming, everything you grew up with and how much you have shift, shifted. And that was a truth that you had. But what is your truth today of who you are? I think that... Um, for me, it's really come to seeing that the reclamation of the sexual aspect of ourselves is completely critical for us to stand fully in our power. I don't think we can stand fully in our power as women until we do that work because we aren't fully whole. And this, this space, sexuality is one of the powers of the feminine. Mm -hmm. And, and with all, we have all this, you know, feminine, liberation and equality blah 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 but nobody is bringing in the sex and you it it, I just now know that you can't be whole you can't stand fully in your power until you've done that reclamation work and it's not a you know it's not a quick process one six-week course is not going to get you all the way there I mean I've been doing this three years like nonstop, and I feel like I have so far to go still because there's just so many layers and depths to get to um, but I really see that I think that's the biggest truth for me is, is for us women to stand in our power we have to reclaim the sexual and also just really getting like you're saying this divine feminine rising I mean I see that the shifts we all want to see on the planet are going to come from the feminine like to me that's just so clear and so there's for me a a much bigger picture of what this work is it's not just about you having a great sex life which I want for you for everyone but I but it's like no I this vision I have of the world and women standing in their power and standing in solidarity with each other and really creating what I think is possible on this planet it's just enormous Mm -hmm. That's so powerful. So what is a daily ritual or something that you do to reconnect with your body, with your intuition, with your truth? Yeah. Sensual movement. The dance is, is critical. And I do that just on a whim <laughs> as I feel like it. Um, the yoni egg practice is really big. The yoni, the de-armoring work I do as well. Um, but I would say the number one thing for me is the sensual movement practice. Like, it's just mm, like, mm, 
my, it's everything for me. Do you put some type of music or what, what is your music that you usually tap into? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it can be, it can be a wide variety I mean, but it's definitely movement. Um, a, a lot of what, what I really resonate is movement or music that really kind of deeply touches um, an emotional part of myself and that a lot of the movement will be stemming from or being come from that sort of whatever I'm tapping into in the moment. Um, and there's a lot of emotional release that comes tears oh, wow. and grief and I was just uh, pleasure. Ask. And, you know, it, and it can just be like real <laughs> like, pleasure. And, you know, like you said, the self seduction, I mean, sometimes it's just that, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, it just varies and I have, yeah, I mean, I have a whole plethora of music that I listen to. No, and I was going to ask you that if you ever get the like the no, usual emotional release when you're doing this work, the crying, there's times that I'm crying and that I start coughing and that I start laughing hysterically. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and especially when like that happens with the dance, that self-seduction dancing, but also with the anger, with any type of embodied movement dancing. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much that we can with uh, we don't even have we can bypass our minds we don't even have to go up here to process so much of our trauma is held in our muscular tissue right in our bodies and so with the act the dance is an amazing access to releasing a lot of that and processing what you might not even realize is there mm -hmm. and the last question that i want to ask you what is something that you can tell women who have gone through like all this suppression, this shutdown, the no libido, the not wanting to be intimate, not even with themselves, but also with, uh, with other partners, what is something that you can tell them? I would say that if you really tapped in to a deeper knowing in yourself, you will find that there's a part of you that knows that this is the source of your power. And, you know, it might seem scary and it might seem, you know, like, like both you and I had, oh, it doesn't matter. It's, it's not that important, but I feel like there's a deeper knowing inside of us. that's like, no, it really is. Cause I'm here. The she, the great she is here and lives in our bodies. And I feel like when we tap into her, she lets us know that that's, that's where we need to go. Like that's our home and we need to reconnect with her there. Is there a book that you have read that has really helped you um, that can help someone like start this journey? Mm, there's so many. Um, just looking at my nightstand. Um, Mama Gina's book, Pussy is Great. That was, I think, one of the first ones I read. Um, there's a really great book called... Um, Um, it's a, I'd have to, I have to send it to you. It's, it's, it was one of the most, I feel transformational books that I read. Um, her name, what's her name? Sherry something. Um, but it's basically this, this, it's something guide to, oh God, I'm sorry. I have it, but I just can't see the name of it right now. Um, and she guides you through your own, like your own body. She gives you the whole history, a lot of history of, of female se or human sexuality. And she goes into your own body and um, explains a lot about how the feminine body even works, which was so 
for me liberating because it, it, it had me, it put words to my own personal experience. Like there was just some things that she wrote. I'm like, Oh my God, no wonder that's how that's been for me. A lot of our sexual education has been around male sexuality. What we hear is about male sexuality. Female bodies don't work like male bodies. We work completely differently. And so this, this book was just so validating of my own experience of of how my body works and how my turn on and pleasure works so i'll have to give you the name of it it's really yes. a good book definitely definitely well it's been such a pleasure having you here <laughs> i got to have a conversation that i have been dying to have outside of my roommate because i always talk to her about this stuff uh but there's not it's, it's so sad but there's not a lot of people that you can have these conversations with yeah. you know and that you can be open about it and you can own your struggles you can own what you're going through like I have and it's scary it is terrifying because a lot of people don't know this side of me and it's like oh my god I'm talking about sex like I shouldn't talk about sex even before in social media even implying that I'm sexually active was just like terrifying a few years ago and I'm like what people are dumb like you know I'm like 37 (laughs) but it's just that like how it is ingrained in you that is something you don't talk about it stays in the bedroom between you and your partner but I'm like but if you have issues then who do you talk to about you know so it's very safe having this this containers especially the one that you're providing your group or when you coach women that they feel safe expressing how they truly feel their own experience and and I I don't think a lot of people talk about how sex can be so painful Mm-hmm. And it is painful because of my own, um, like health issues with my womb and stuff like that, that they have like everything that I do, the work that I do with my womb and with menstrual cycles have significantly help, but it's still pain and it's still pain. And I'm just like, and one of the things that I was going to actually end with is that you can do, I don't know if you agree with me, but you can do all the healing and with your sexuality being sexually liberated but you are truly not gonna know how healed you are until you're in partnership with someone and stuff comes up and you're like oh I thought I healed that I thought I did the work on that and that's when the real work actually begins do you think that's actually true absolutely <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah and it's just um it's just I'm glad that you're out there speaking your truth sharing your journey helping women And it's been such a pleasure having this conversation with you. Thank you so much for being here. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for being part of this conversation for Feminine Truth Podcast. This podcast is for you, for me, for us, for the Feminine Collective. Thank you so much for spending your time and energy with us. Share on Instagram and Facebook stories what resonated with you. And if you're listening to this and for anyone to get a hold of this podcast at Feminine Truth Podcast, and if you feel called to leave us a review, let us know your thoughts, let let us know how this has felt for you listening to the podcast. And the episodes are going to be every Tuesday. So I cannot wait to see you next time. Sending so much love.